All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome back to the Bizzles Daily Rebels. No countdown here, straight into Season 3, Episode 17 or 18, Secret Cargo, the introduction of Mon Mothma, voiced by the amazing Genevieve O'Reilly, into the visual part of the Rebellion. We've, of course, seen her in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and probably some other places. It's called Secret Cargo. There's some subplots about the pilots not getting along, I think, in this one, and just the whole heist. But because of the importance and gravitas of Mon Mothma now in Rogue One and of course in Return of the Jedi in the original trilogy it's really all about getting to know her and while Mon Mothma is nowhere near as cool or interesting as Leia she's nowhere near much development or time uh, again in this episode it's not that it's underwhelming uh, it's just that you know it's not so momentous now here she is in Genevieve O'Reilly again the woman who played her and looks just like her in Rogue one it was awesome they got her to do this shortly after we got uh, forrest whitaker as saw guerrera listen to my ghost of genius podcast with semi claim up and hope you enjoyed everything including our trials of the dark saber which he may or may not be on i'm still not totally sure um and here is mon mothma preaching against the empire and she's switching sides for good the problem is yeah, why is she still breathing? The problem is, she talks a big game, but then she's kind of ineffectual. Saw calls her out for not fighting the real fight, or the full fight, I guess, you know, the full frontal assault they need, um, guerrilla warfare against the Empire in early season four in the, in the name of the Rebellion, which I have done a, a podcast for before. Um, here's another explosion warhead droid, I guess. Um, uh, you know, and then Rogue One, it seems like she doesn't want to join the cause, but then her and Baylor again, and played by the amazing Jimmy Smiths. Sounds like he doesn't want to join the cause. She definitely smiles and is happy uh, when the the Rogue One thing becomes apparent. Um, You know, and so they're trying to paint a picture of a woman who, like... Uh, you know, it went a different way from Leia. Leia is a senator, and she believes in politics as long as the Republic is functioning. But, you know, in the original trilogy, and now again, you know, with the First Order in the new trilogy, Leia immediately will militarize her people and, and bring together rebellion or resistance or whatever you want to call it uh, to fight evil. She sees it so clearly. Mon Mothma always wants to be diplomatic. I don't know if we get a lot of Mon Mothma character study in this. And this might just be sort of the shepherding of Mon Mothma into the team and the family on um, Lothal or wherever they're based at this point. I guess it's still on uh, Garel. Is that where the Bendu is? Um, and, you know, that she would survive Thrawn and whatever. And then she's important in the fourth season with Saw Guerrera. So, as I've often said, the space stuff in Rebels always looks great. The characters look great. Their facial animations look great. Alien or otherwise, Zebin and Hera look at least as convincing as, uh, as Ezra and Kanan. In some ways, as I've commented, the Rebels aliens, like the Clone Wars aliens, because they're aliens, you actually can do more with their faces, make it more emotive. It's very hard to imitate human uh, facial gestures, and they're certainly not trying to do that straight up here. Here comes Hera, uh, the smartest pilot. I've called her the best pilot in the galaxy. No offense, Han Solo. She is great, but I think she's the smartest pilot in the galaxy. Say, um, you know, if, if they had to do something like the, the Kessel Run, I'd still rather have the Falcon with Han. The question is, Han outside the Falcon, how confident are we? Here come the turrets. We got turrets on top. 
Bonham. They got the front gun. Now, Ezra's on the front guns, it looks like here. They're shaking the camera all around to give it a Battlestar feel. It's great. Look at this. Shaky cam. You know, and Dave Filoni, you know, uh, showrunner, executive producer, creator, etc. Rebels, who is Lucas's heir apparent, obviously, um, who Kathleen Kennedy called a rock star, quote unquote, at Star Wars Celebration, has great admiration for and keeps giving him more responsibilities, including not only the return of the Clone Wars, but co-executive producing of the live action of The Mandalorian. Um Okay, that's definitely Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal as head of Gold Squadron. So one of the reasons I like this episode is just to hear, you know, Yuri Lowenthal. He's like fifty at least. He's been doing voice acting forever, Prince of Persia games, everything. He also did Spider Man last year, the teenage Peter Parker Spider Man game, which everyone loved. And like a fifty year old, you know, goofy nerdy Jewish guy uh, doing Peter Parker. Uh, I think this is him. Vander, right, right. I think he's in the X-Wing Miniatures game. One's one of the pilots. You know, I guess it's important leading up to the final battle, which almost goes horribly um, without the Bendo. And then to season four, there's still a split among rebels. You know, this guy is a by-the-book guy, just like one Mothma in her own way, diplomatically, is a by-the-book woman. Um, However... uh, you know, and that's why it was really important in the name of the rebellion in season four, which I keep referencing with Saw and Mamothma going at each other via hologram. It was important that we really believe that Ezra and Sabine and even Hera would sympathize with Saw. And if Saw hadn't tried to leave all the civilians behind and blow up a bunch of innocent people, they might have joined him because they know things are, have to get done. And I think one of the things that goes unspoken that's really brilliant about Rebels is that they go back to Lothal uh, in season four, not just to go full circle and it's Ezra's home and they used to be based there and they've lots of friends and family there and the Tide Defender I mean the, the Tide Defender factory is there there's a million reasons to go back to Lothal however the, their desire to get directly involved in blowing up Imperial shit while Mon Mothma and her people are very hesitant uh, is key and, and we see this uh, you know again uh, both a great but somewhat annoying Amir um, with the First Order in the new sequel t- uh, trilogy Seven, eight, and nine is that it, the same thing happens again. As Leia can see the threat, she tries to tell everybody the threat. The first order, they you know they blow up a first order base with their own ordinance to prove, even though it's accidental, to prove all the weaponry and power the first order already has, even though they're not by that name at that point. Uh, if you read uh, the amazing Leia book, Bloodline, which is by far my favorite Star Wars book, I've said that before of the new canon. However, they they have to keep convincing people. And that's why I do, even though I don't love some things about Starkiller Base and that it's like just the bigger, better Death Star, the fact that Starkiller Base just destroys the entire Republic, their ships, their planets in the Hosnian system, literally everything, uh, just shows how overly centralized, overly bureaucratic, and just tone deaf and blind. You know, the Republic is to the threat of the First Order, which is why Leia finds her own people. And even though Leia is about to lose hope until she, quote-unquote, sees her brother Luke at the end of The Last Jedi, and then at the end she's holding Ryan saying, we've got everything we need, she knows about personnel. She knows the, between the relatively small number of people in Rogue One, a few dozen people who got the Death Star plans, and then a few hundred rebels, essentially, on a couple ships, and then in all the final battles in Empire, and then, of course, Return of the Jedi, you had Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, the droids, a bunch of the Wedge, 
Lando, but also a bunch of just trusted rebel grunts on the ground and in the air. You need people who get things done. And Hera, like Leia, is a can-do person. And then they don't really explore tension between directly between these two. Um, you know, she Hera clearly already looks up to Mon Mothma and is thrilled about this because Hera is a, a pragmatist ultimately. Um, however, um, you know. And uh, we'll see when Simi and I get to in the name of the rebellion. Oh, this space action looks great. Uh, we will see when Simi and I do name of the rebellion uh, for the second time in season four. If, if Leia and Sabine either talk back to Mon Mothma at all, or, or or when they're alone talk about how she's ineffectual and not doing enough, or whether I think it's just implied through Saw, which is great storytelling. Ezra looks way older even than Luke flying the the ships, which is great. It just makes him look super adult. You know, I talk about how Sabine with dark, the dark saber episodes, which was so great to do. Um, uh, with, with Sabine, especially in season four, she, she tones back the graffiti, she goes back to her natural brown hair, gets a sh- kind of conservative short haircut, and here goes the Y-Wings, ba-ba-ba-ba-boom. Great space action. Um, you know, they, they had to make Sabine and Ezra feel a little bit more grown up and mature because of the stakes of the whole thing. You knew ep- season four was going to be epic. Final showdown against Theron. Everyone thought Kanan would die, which, spoiler alert, he did. Okay, let's jump in here. I know young Mr. Bridger, and I thank Captain Aurelius. I love when they talk over the comms. This is a Battlestar thing. Some of the most dramatic stuff happens where Admiral Dama is talking to Apollo or Starbuck over the comms while they're in their ships. I think best exemplified early on in the miniseries after Apollo has been sort of a whiny baby, but but with with some good reason against his estranged dad, uh, Commander... um, uh, Commander Adama, played by um, Eddie Almost, uh, Edward James Almost. Um, but after doing a before the Cylons, just before the Cylons nuke everyone, before people even realize the nu- Cylons are going to nuke everyone and try and commit genocide against their former masters, uh, while doing just sort of a celebratory flyover as they think they're retiring the Battlestar Galactica. I mean, it's so brilliant. They're they're literally about to retire this old Battlestar, but because it's old and because it's out in space, is the only reason it survives when all the newer, more fancy ones get hacked and or destroyed by the Cylons almost immediately uh, other than Pegasus but you guys will have to watch for that when they meet the Pegasus but Battlestar Galactica and Adama gives a speech that no one expects about regretting decisions he's made and you know the situation even with peace we still have you know huge regrets he's talking completely about himself basically but Apollo his son is listening in the cockpit not you know everyone's hearing it but you see the reaction of Starbuck Kitty Sackhoff but also, um, uh, you know, also, um, uh, Leah Dama, aka uh, Apollo, taking it all in when his dad is saying it, admitting, is he asking for forgiveness? Is he asking for absolution? I don't know. It, it, brilliant start, moral complexities to Battlestar that keep getting more and more complicated as it goes along. And like Battlestar, this one goes fourth season. Like Battlestar, the first season, uh, two and a half seasons, I would say, are amazing. Season three has a few ups and downs, and season four, uh, of Rebels, they were planning it the whole time, makes way more 
sense in the two and three part episode arcs they've got going on are for the most part thrilling and really well executed whereas Battlestar Galactica season four was way 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 too much up and down I mean there's four or five six episodes in the final season of Battlestar that I would put up with all the best episodes but the rest of them are really take or leave which is which is brutal for season four I'll still watch it all I love it and see how everything comes together the, the advantage that Star Wars has of course is that they're working within a mythos that already exists and so they to fill it with characters like Governor Price and this guy Admiral Thrawn Admiral Thrawn Mr. Blue uh, Mr. Blueface <laughs> here's Mon Mothma making coffee for everyone this, this is totally a layup move you know us domestically for a minute to, to look you know Okay, I'm spending my life in the Senate trying to do good, preserve the rights of the people. We are grateful. Here's the bonding between the two veteran ladies. Now, Amothma, I guess, is supposed to be middle-aged by now. You know, she's young in episode three. and um, Right, the fight cannot be won in the Senate. Like, Leia never... Here's the thing. You read Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray as a 14-year-old. And Lofty, she does stumble somewhat accidentally into her father's major involvement and long-time involvement in the Rebellion. As soon as her parents realize they can't keep Leia out and they actually need her, they bring her into the whole thing. And Leia's under no preoccupations that the Senate can be trusted. Even the Leia episode, Princess on Lothal, from last season, which is one of my favorites because I love Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher, and that voice actress does a great job trying to do Carrie Fisher, and they animate her great, and it totally feels like it. Here's more talk within the cockpits. We don't get enough of this. Very Battlestar again. I love the I love when the Viper and Raptor pilots are all making fun of each other and stuff. That's part of the, you know, uh, Top Gun charm of the whole thing. Um... Here's the TIE Defender. There's, right, Volt Scaris of the Imperial Navy. This is their big ship, and I think they're going to try and run into this Ion Storm to escape him, because even though the TIE Defenders have more bulk and way more firepower, they got six lasers instead of two or four, and have shields and hyperspace, they're still a little more fragile. You can tell by the look, even, but you just assume they're still more fragile than these old Y-Wings and a ship like the Ghost, you know, these old Corellian ships or, like, pre-Clone War ships, you know, it's like buying an old American car. It's from the 60s or 70s. Is it ugly and giant? Absolutely. Will it run for 700,000 miles? You better believe it. And that's what's going on here. This is the whole aesthetic, of course. Oh, this is gorgeous. Look at that. The, the Y-Wings with the ghost going right into the storm. I know if the X-Wings would make it, but the old Y-Wings, the bombers, you're used to taking a lot of hits. Okay, here comes some TIE advanced prototypes, I think. No, t- oh, those are TIE interceptors. Preserving the aesthetic of the cockpits right up on the pilot's faces, both good and bad. Uh-oh. Uh oh no, they gotta kill one, right? Boom. Yep. Yep. For killing pilots left and right. <laughs> Kids show on Disney XD, baby. This just, uh, sorry, this just looks amazing. So the whole point is, Mon Mothma comes to her realization much older than Leia, but she's also just from a previous generation. And this is the, one of the great things about Star Wars is family, but also the, the commentary on generations. You know, Princess Leia, at every generation, gets the stakes of what's going on and immediately knows when bad shit's going on in the galaxy. Here comes the fieriness. So the TIE Interceptors, which are not shielded, they better turn right now. No, he's gone. Or, yep. The TIE Defender, which is shielded and has more armor, might make it longer. Here's the other TIE Interceptors. Interceptor, does he make it? And nope. He pulled out. Zeb's not going to let him get away. Yeah. Killing bad guys running the other way. Shooting him in the back. Now, the TIE Defender can definitely do this. 
So this is what's great. This is the comparative power. You know, this is Thor versus Captain America versus Iron Man. Uh, so, again, it, you know, Mon Mothma is almost an afterthought in this thrilling spaceship chase that we don't get a lot of. You know, in Clone Wars, it's these huge fleets and huge armies, but you never, but part of what's great about the beginning of Revenge of the Sith with that giant battle over Coruscant is that we're following Obi-Wan and Anakin, uh, you know, throughout that entire time in their ships, dodge and weave. We see it with Poe at the beginning of Force Awakens. We see it with Poe again, the beginning of Last Jedi. Other than that, we haven't been getting it outside of Rogue One original movies and the animated series. All right. So here we got full on Star Destroyers. What do, I'll save some of the Mon Mothma talk. Listen to my <laughs> Rogue One commentary with Simi. One of a thousand reasons it's one of my favorite podcasts ever. Maybe my favorite commentary ever. Certainly my favorite co-commentary ever. Thank you, Simi. Uh, is uh, talking about just the brilliant casting of Genevieve O'Reilly's Mon Mothma, her channeling, her wisdom, but also her conservatism. And saw always being the one far to the left, pushing, pushing, pushing. You know, I mean, the connection that pre Generso and Saw Guerrera, you know, this version of the Rebellion, I mean, take out the Ghost Crew, because they're willing to go to Great Alliance, and that's what I was going to say earlier, why they went back to Lothal, is the, the, the Rebellion's not ready for them to take radical action, so they're like, fuck it, we're going to do it on Lothal, which is strategically important to the Rebellion, but also important to us, and we're going to go all out and blow up and destroy and kill and fight against whoever we have to fight, and whatever we have to do, which is what it's all about. Um, but I've compared Mon Mothma and sort of the, the Senate in, in exile in absentia to the sort of middle left uh, or I should say the middle you know moderate liberals in this country uh, which is a lot of the liberals in Congress and in various state houses to the sort of younger generation and more radicalized part of the population that's on the far left that wants radical change now we're not saying blow up right wing people it's the right wing people who are killing and blowing up everybody else that's another story but politically Saw and Jin and that side of things is definitely like the far left if if you want to assign a assign a uh, political you know aspect to it as opposed you know as opposed to Mon Mothma's more moderate approach, but she eventually gives in. But but it's Jin and not Saw that convinces her. It's Jin and Jin's rebels, and they have to disobey the the, the council's wishes that we see in Rogue One. And Mon Mothma even apologizes that it's not going to happen. But again, as soon as Rogue One, as soon as they realize that the Rogue One mission is happening with or without council approval, her and Jimmy Smith are immediately happy getting, uh, get, gonna go get Obi-Wan, gonna put Leia on the case. Oh yeah, baby. Oh, Rogue One's so good. So what do I watch after this? The opening scene of Revenge of the Sith or Rogue One? Sub question. Oh man, look at the ghost. Let the Star Destroyers. And what's the plan? Yeah. <laughs> we are all wondering what exactly the plan is here. Vanessa Marshall, she sounds not, I mean, you can hear the intonation in her voice um, when you hear Vanessa Marshall in real life in terms of Hera, but you know, even way more than Freddie Prince or even Sabine, she really builds a, a character voice. I, I think Sabine definitely builds a character voice distinct from Tia, even though it's obviously Tia Sirkar once you start hearing Tia Sirkar. Um, whereas Freddie Prinze, he specifically cast to talk like Freddie Prinze Jr. as Kanan. He was, as I always uh, say, or maybe I haven't said enough, Freddie Prinze was born for Kanan, more so than any character for any character. Um, but the, the excitement from Dave Filoni that he knew Vanessa Marshall would be great. He knew he had way above average youth talent with uh, Taylor Gray, who was going to be able to grow up with the character of Ezra, be about the same age and going through similar stages of maturity. 
but I think he always thought Tia was great, and Sabine was cool, but really pushing Sabine up front at this part of season three and all of season four, he must have been so happy about, oh yeah, uh, uh, is this a star? I, I missed it. Whether this is a straight up star, a nebula, a proto star, it is wrecking the shit out of that star destroyer. It's gonna disable it. I don't think it's gonna destroy it because Governor Price survives. The one on top looks really badly damaged. Oop, there's hyperspace, baby! Alright, guys. So, we got Mon Mothma in the rebellion. It's gonna take her a while. We got a little docking here with the Y Wings on the ghost. Uh, we see that plenty with other big ships in our science fiction. We love it. Gold leader. Right. Yep. They need Ezra to prove himself as a pilot in the rebellion, I suppose. Luke just is handed it. Um, I guess his relationship with Biggs helps and, and everything in Leia. Uh, but, you know, Ezra's constantly having to prove himself, but he's not resentful about it. He's so mature at this point. Sent so manipulated by the sinister tactics of the Emperor far too long. I've watched Heavy Hand. There's Jim, there's not Jimmy Smith. It's Bail Organic. God bless him. There's General Dodonna. Mm-hmm. They build up towards Rogue One so brilliantly. And that's the thing. Like, any minor fault at the end of Season 3 or all of Season 4 of Rebels, I can't complain because the building of Mon Mothma, uh, Dodonna, uh... Bail, the ghost crew, but everything, you know, the, this proto rebellion that doesn't follow Saw, but is increasingly sympathetic to Saw and eventually realizes that they gotta pull the ripcord and just grip it and rip it, as they say. Are you with me? Are you with me? Rebellions are built on hope. Beautiful. Harry's happy, of course. He gets what she wants. Oh, uh, this is great. This is an exact mirror of uh, Battlestar episode 4, 5, or I think 6 of season 2 when the president has successfully escaped with Apollo and she puts out a call to the fleet who's under martial law to meet her at the coordinates for COBOL and President Sadama's like, you're all traitors if you do it. And something like 30 to 40% of the fleet jumps against Adama's threat to, to where the president is, just like this. Uh, and eventually, of course, the president's right. They find their way to Earth-ish from Cobol. You'll have to watch the series. And not only are the Admiral and the president reunited, but Rosalind and Adama have maybe the greatest mature romance of all time. I've talked about this with Kanan and Hera. They're much younger, uh, but it's similar. You'll have to wait for some more commentary with Simi. So thank you for joining me for The Secret Cargo. I'm going to jump on in a few minutes to Double Agent Droid, uh, where Chopper and AP5 attempt to steal Imperial codes. Um, I don't remember exactly how this goes down, but as I've said before... Uh, well, first of all, I love Chopper. I'm I'm on the it's either Chopper or K2 as the best droid, but depending on what you want, you know, the different parts of the spectrum, they share feistiness and possible murderousness at times. And AP5 is is so annoying at first, and just over time, you never want Steven Stan to stop do, stop doing his bizarre ass voice with AP5. So thank you for joining me. Rebellion's almost complete, guys. We just need to get dinner, some the Rogue One crew going, and then there's no stopping us. I've been the Bizzle. You've been awesome. Thanks for joining me on the Bizzle's Daily Rebels. May the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out. <laughs>